0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Coryton Cast, the official podcast of Corrington Church. Giving to God and to others. How does this help us to grow as Christians? We've talked about surrendering, learning, praying, connecting, and sharing in Dr. Rocky Ramsey's series on growing in your faith and on following Jesus better. Our last topic is how we grow through giving.
1: For God so loved the world that he gave. When I give, I am being like him. When I don't give, I'm being unlike him. Do I want to be like him or unlike him? That's the option I have. Now, givers love messages on giving. If you're a giver, you're thinking, oh boy, I'm glad he finally got around to this. Most people who don't give aren't too excited about these. And by the way, these never become the famous sermons. You know, I'll probably get half a share on Facebook and, and one view on YouTube on this one. But I think I'll have the applause of heaven for teaching the whole counsel of God. If you're listening to me or any preacher, and you might think that money is all that preachers talk about, just for your information, that isn't true. I haven't talked about giving, hadn't done a message on giving in two years. If I wouldn't talk on this subject, I would be doing you a disservice because it's my job to teach you the whole counsel of God, not just the parts that we want to hear or somebody uh, wants to hear. And so I'm teaching you the whole counsel of God today. This message comes out of 2 Corinthians 9. So I want you to turn there and we'll look at the verses as we get to them. I want to begin with some opening thoughts. Number one, God doesn't need our money, we need His. God doesn't need our money, we need His. God owns it all. And when a rich man dies, you say, how much did he leave? He left all of it. We're simply managers of money while we live, and then it's, all, it's gone. It's really all His. God doesn't need us to give to Him. But He uses giving in our lives, as we'll see today. God doesn't need our money, but most of us need His. Number two, giving is always about relationship with God. Everything's about relationship with God. Eternal life, John 17, 3, is that they may know Him. So when we have a problem, we want the problem to go away. God wants to use the problem to make Himself real to us so we can have relationship. When it comes to money, what we want is more of it. In fact, of, you know, Jesus taught us to pray, give us his day our daily bread. We want enough dough that we don't have to ask God for bread the rest of our lives, right? But God likes for us to have to trust Him every day. And so why? Because He can make Himself real to us and we can have relationship. I put in your outline, giving is not just how God raises money, it's how He raises men. It's how He grows His children. Number three, opening thought. Giving is proof that we actually believe what we claim to believe. Giving is truth that we actually believe what we claim to believe. I'm going to show you in this message that if you don't give, your problem is not a money problem, it's a faith problem. You don't really believe what you claim to believe. You claim to believe the Bible, but you don't. You claim to believe what you claim to believe what Jesus said, but you don't. You claim to believe what God said in the Old Testament, but you don't. Unless you give. You'll, that'll be real clear. In James 2.18, James said, Show me your work, your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And then that's where he says faith without works is dead. Faith without works isn't faith. It's just a bunch of religious talk. So giving is proof that we actually believe that we, what we claim to believe. And what I want to help you to do is to believe what you believe. What a sad thing to not believe what you believe. I want you to believe what you believe. Now, number four, giving is not about money, it's about ownership. Giving is not about money, it's about ownership. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the Bible says, the believers, you are not your own, you've been bought with a price. In Leviticus 27, 30, it says, all the tithe is the Lord's and it is holy to the Lord. First Chronicles 29, 14, this is when uh, David has raised the money to build the temple. And he's praying this great prayer. I think it's the best prayer in the Bible. And this is a part of it. And here he says this. He says in First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? They've taken up this big offering. Watch this. For all things come from you. And from your hand we have given you. David said, we we didn't give God what was ours, we gave God what was His. In your outline, I've got that stated for you. We don't give to God that which is ours, we return to God that which is His. Now the fifth and final opening thought. This passage is about what you do after you tithe. This is really not a tithing passage. It's about what you do after you have tithe. Tithe means 10%. So you give your 10%. It's the Lord's. It's not yours. It's holy to him. And you give him that 10%. This message is really about what you do after that. In Malachi 3.8, Malachi, or God says to man, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So if I'm not giving God my tithe, if I'm not giving God offerings that he leads me to give above the tithe, According to God, if I believe the Bible, I'm robbing him. Now, those of you who don't give, in most cases, you feel like you can't afford to give. I want to ask you, can you afford not to? You need God's blessing, especially if you don't think you can afford it. Do you think the way to get God to bless you is to rob him? And again, I'm not saying that you're robbing him. God is saying that you're robbing him if you believe the Bible. Now let's talk about some truths we learn from this passage. Number one, first of all, giving should be intentional, not accidental. It should be intentional, not accidental. In verse 2, it tells us that they were ready to give. In verse 5, it says they had promised a gift and had arranged to give beforehand. In verse 7, it's about it talks about purposing in our hearts what we are going to give in other words it has nothing to do with happenstance it's not like i'm in church the basket comes around go oh i need to give some money i wonder what i have in my pocket no absolutely not it's all predetermined it's not accidental in proverbs 3 9 there in your outline honor the lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce you're supposed to give to god first not last first not what's left over 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, on the first day of the of each week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. Again, that's not about tithing. That's about giving above the tithe. Obviously, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. So the more God blesses you, the more he expects from you. That's true of gifts. That's true of opportunities. That's true of, of, of financial blessings. Giving is to be intentional, not accidental. We are to plan what we will give. I gave to, Lottie, or to, to Annie Armstrong today. I planned what I would give back in December. So it wasn't an accident. I knew what I was going to do. I knew. I know now what I'm going to do for Lottie Moon this Christmas. It's not going to be an accident. I prayed about it. I thought about it. I think I know God's will about it. I'm going to do what I planned to do. We give to God first, not last, not what over is left over, not what we have after we've spent everything. Now, number two, failure to give is a spiritual embarrassment. It's a spiritual embarrassment. Look at verse four. And there it talks about having shame for not giving. I'm I'm not saying it is. God's word says it is. In no way am I trying to shame you. It's what the Bible says. Too often, uh, we ask, when we hear something like a message on giving, we say, do I like what he's saying? That's the wrong question. The right question is, is what he's saying true? If it is true, whether I like it or not, is irrelevant, right? And I'm telling you, it's true. If you believe the Bible, what I'm saying is true. Failure to give is a spiritual embarrassment. Number three, we determine what we get from God by what we give to God. We determine what we get from God by what we give to God. Verse six says that if we sow sparingly a little, then we reap sparingly a little. If we sow bountifully a lot, we reap bountifully a lot. You determine what you get from God by how you give to God. Now this is also true in in most relationships. If you're in a healthy relationship, It's two people giving to each other. And the more one people gives, the more grateful the other feels and the more they give back. And so you had this giving, 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 giving relationship that keeps building great momentum and getting better and better and better. It's how relationships work. Now listen to these verses from Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. I read 9 earlier. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So, your barns will be filled with plenty, you'll be blessed, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, new wine is fresh juice as opposed to what Proverbs calls strong drink. The point is, you give first, you get blessed. Now, Proverbs 11 24 to 25. There is one who scatters, gives away, and yet increases all the more. There is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want in needing, in lacking. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. Now, if you believe the Bible, you believe that. If you don't believe that, you really don't believe the Bible. And let me say this, I'm just just honest, you know, back, I'll tell you what I did. Back when I was about 19 years old, I decided that I would believe what God said in his word. If I ever found it not to be true, I'd quit all this. Now, here I am 44 years later, believing it more than I've ever believed it in my life because it is true what his word says is true. And so if it says that the generous man will be prosperous, he'll be prosperous. God will bless him. Proverbs 19, 17 says, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. So God says, when you help somebody who can't help themselves, you help a poor man who can never pay you back He said, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. So we get from God according to how we give to God. Number four, giving is to be offered, not demanded. It's to be offered, not demanded. Verse seven tells us that we're never to give under compulsion. In other words, if somebody tries to force you to give, don't. That's biblical, don't. Number five, God loves cheerful givers. He loves cheerful givers. Verse 7 tells us that. He loves a cheerful giver. Now, the Bible teaches us that God loves everybody. So why would he go out of, out of his way to mention this? Is, something, is there something to it? I don't, I don't know what it is. But God must have some special love for people who not only give, but are glad to give. It moves the heart of God. Number six, God can supply you with everything you need. God can supply you with everything you need. Now I'll say this, there are a lot of prosperity preachers and they'll say, if you sow a seed, you know, you sow a dollar, you'll get back a hundred dollars and all that stuff. That's not biblical, that is not biblical. But I'll tell you what, if you will give and obey the Lord, he'll bless you, that's biblical, he'll bless you. It's no guarantee you're gonna get rich. It's no guarantee you're gonna have more money in the bank than you know what to do with. It's a guarantee you'll have blessing. And the greatest blessings are not the things money can buy, the greatest blessings are the things money cannot buy. And God can bless you with those things. God can supply everything you need. Look at verse 8. And notice notice how expansive this verse is. God is able to make all grace abound to you. What's he talking about? So that always having all sufficiency in everything Always having all sufficiency in everything. How could, he, how could that be said in a bigger way? Wow, what a promise. He says essentially the same thing in these two verses. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first his kingdom, doing what he made you to do, and his righteousness being who he made you to be, and all these things, what you need, will be added to you. In Psalm 37, four, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What we do is we delight in what we want. If I delight myself in the Lord, I can have everything I want. Here's how it works. I want a lot of stuff I shouldn't want. And I delight in those things that I want. But if I learn to delight in the Lord, then I'll begin to want what he wants for me. And when I want what he wants for me, God can give me everything I want. And I'm going to guess you'd agree with me, the person who gets everything you want is a pretty happy person. You can have everything you want as long as you'll get your wants in line with his wants for you. So God can supply everything you need. The key to God giving you what you need is you giving him what he wants. I'll say that again. The key to God giving you what you need is you giving him what he wants. A lot of people expect God to give to them what they want uh, and and, and need, and they're not a bit willing to give Him what He wants from them. Giving to Him is the key to getting from Him. Now, number seven. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. God blesses, blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. In verse 10, it talks about that always having all sufficiency in everything. Keep going. And this says that God will multiply your seed for sowing, for sowing. In other words, he's going to bless you so that you can bless others. I did a message years ago called Pipes and Pots. And the the Dead Sea is dead because water comes in and it never goes out. So it's a big salt pit you can float in. I mean, the person who who weighed 1,000 pounds who can't swim could float in it. It's crazy. And uh, it, it's like it's dead because it receives, it doesn't give out. Now you go up north to Sea of Galilee and you got these rivers coming down out of the mountains into the Sea of Galilee, then the Jordan River flows out of it down to the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is full of life, why? Because it receives and it gives. God wants us to be pipes. We're conduits through which he blesses people, not pots who try to collect his blessings. God, we're like pipes, and if I'll be a good pipe, God might enlarge my pipe. But if I'm a pot, why would God be motivated to give me more when all the more I would ever get would be just for me? There'd be no sense in Him doing that. God doesn't just bless us so that we can be blessed. He blesses us so that as blessers, we can know what a blessing it is to bless people. And everybody who's been to a third world country to do missions, everybody who's helped somebody really poor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, well, that feels a whole... Giving $1,000 to somebody who really, really needs you feels a whole lot better than somebody giving $1,000 a year. You say, well, I don't believe that. It's because you never tried it. Jesus, wasn't Jesus the one who said, it's more blessed to give than to receive? Everybody who does that knows that to be true. And if it's not true, Jesus lied or he doesn't know what he's talking about, and you shouldn't be listening to this message. In fact, you should never darken the door of church again. But if you believe the Bible and you believe Jesus, then it is more blessed to give than to receive. So God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. Now, number eight, God is the source of our blessings. He's the source of our blessings. Again, in verse 10, it says that God is the one who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food. God is the source of all that we have. In Deuteronomy 8.18, and I haven't given you the whole verse, but it says, when you enter in the land and you've got it made, don't forget who gave you this. And it says these words, it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. God is the source of our blessings. Now you're thinking, but I worked hard. Who gave you that drive? Surely you're smart enough to know that everybody isn't as driven as you are. But I planned well. Who gave you the mind to make those plans? If you're a smart, a person, then you know that everybody couldn't plan like you planned. You had something they didn't have going for you. Oh, you say, well, I took risks. Who made you a risk taker? There are some people who wouldn't dare take a risk, but you did. Why? Because God made you that way, and it turned out well. And it doesn't hurt that you were born at this time in history in the land of enormous opportunity. God is the source of your blessings. Now, when you think you're the source of what you have, you become proud. Look what I've done. When you realize God is the source of, your, of what you have, the more you get, the more humbled you are by it. The more you say, ask questions like, why me, God? Why am I so blessed? Why why have you given me so much? Well, I'll tell you why he did. He gives you seed to sow. Back up in under number seven, he blesses you so you can become a blessing to others. When you think that you're the source, you think that you're the owner. When you recognize that God is the source, then you realize that you're not an owner, you're a steward. You're managing someone else's money. God is the source of our blessings. Now, number nine. The supplier is also the multiplier. The supplier is also the multiplier. Again, notice in verse 10 that God says that God is not only our supplier, He's the multiplier. When Jesus fed the thousands with the fishes and loaves, He took little and He made much. That's what God does. He's a multiplier. In fact, you read those stories, they ended up, they fed thousands of people, probably as many as 10,000 because it was 5,000 and 4,000 men. Didn't include the women and children. And so how many thousands, we don't know. We know this, that when when they collected the food that was left over, they had more than they started with. That's what a God who multiplies can do. In Malachi 3 verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. God says, if you'll obey me, I will can open up the windows of heaven. Now again, does that mean I'll get rich? No, it means you'll get blessed and you'll know you're getting blessed and you'll know partly why you're getting blessed. Because of how you gave. In Luke 6, 38, right out of the mouth of Jesus, give and it'll be given to you. And then he says, by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you in return. He's saying what it says there in, in this chapter about that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. The more you give, the more you get. That's what he's saying. Now, number 10, giving is connected to righteousness. It's connected to righteousness, verse 10 again. "The sowing this giving increases the harvest of our righteousness, the harvest of our righteousness. It is righteous when we give as we should. It is disobedience and unrighteousness when we don't give as we should. Now would you be more if you were God, would you be more motivated to give to a child who is obeying you or one who is disobeying you? one who is living a righteous life or one who's living an unrighteous life? Well, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? The Malachi passage says that we are actually robbing God when we fail to tithe and give as we should. Now, why is it robbing God? Because if we are His, then everything we have is His, not ours. If what we have is ours and not His, then it means I'm mine, I'm not His. Being a Christian, the bottom line is, I am his. I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not somebody pray to prayer. Not somebody goes to church. I have changed ownership. Jesus is my Lord. He's my boss. I have surrendered to him. And so if I am his, then all that I have is his. I'm just a steward of it, not the owner of it. And if, if all that I have is not his, then it's mine. And if it's mine then i'm not his cuz mine's not his i'm still mine see this is about ownership we don't give to god that which is ours we give back to god that which is his if i keep myself for what if i keep for myself what is his what really doesn't belong to me then i'm robbing him if you need god's help you want god's blessing wouldn't you agree that robbing him is a bad strategy Now let's say somebody loaned me some money. You say you loaned me $100 and I refuse to give you that $100 back. Then you would consider me to be a very bad person. You consider me to be a thief because I am keeping what is not mine, it is yours. And it should be given to you, but I'm not giving it. That's what God says about tithes and giving. Now look at these verses, Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not, want, do not do what I say. I'm going to paraphrase. Don't waste your words. Don't waste the breath of calling me something that I'm not. You know, we do all kinds of religious talk. I believe the Bible, but then we don't believe it. I believe in Jesus, and, and we, we say all kinds of things. Listen, what, everything you believe, you behave. The rest of it's just a bunch of religious talk. Now look at 1 Timothy six seventeen to 18. And it brings several things I've talked about in, into this, in this one passage. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world, stop, that's every one of us. I'm guessing you lived in a, a home with a, a air-conditioned heating last night. I'm guessing you uh, have a car outside that you can go places in. I'm guessing you have indoor plumbing and hot water. And I'm guessing you have a refrigerator and a stove. The, pre- the rich in this world, that's us. That's not, that's not Bill Gates. He's not talking about him. That's the super rich. He's talking about all of us. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, as if they, they did it on their own. It wasn't God being the source. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Why? Because it can all disappear. Store up treasures in heaven where where rust doesn't destroy and moth doesn't steal. Why? Because all your treasure down here can vanish. But put fix their hope on God who richly supplies us. God is our source with all things to enjoy. Now, this is an important thing to see here. All things to enjoy. God wants to bless you. As parents, we want to bless our children. I don't know about you, but with my children and grandchildren, I want to bless them, but I don't want to ruin them. I don't want to give them something that makes them haughty, arrogant, thinks they're better than anybody, uh, makes them selfish. I don't want to give them anything like that. I want to give them everything's good for them, things that will bless them. Well, God is the same way with us. He wants to bless you, and when he blesses you, he wants you to enjoy the blessings, but he doesn't want you to keep all the blessings. Verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Verse 19, if they do that, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future. He's talking about laying up treasure in heaven. That's what righteousness does. That's what obedience does. He says, do all this so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. What he's saying here is there's something you can have that's better than all the money you can have. It's life indeed. But to do that, you got to realize God is your source. He blesses you. He wants you to enjoy the blessings, but he wants you to become a blesser with those blessings. And then you can have real life, the kind of life you were built for and made for. I talked about Jesus saying it's more blessed to give than receive. That's how you're wired up. Now, sin has damaged all of us. and made us selfish and we want to hoard and have and strut our stuff and all that kind of stuff. That's all the damage of sin. But in, the, in God's nature down inside of you, you're wired up to enjoy blessing other people, helping others, giving up something so they have something.
0: So giving is connected to righteousness. There's a couple more truths to be known from our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So join us next time as we finish our series on growing in our faith. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to and Cast, the official podcast of Coryton Church. If you have any questions at all, visit us online at CorytonChurch.com or drop us a message or comment on social media or at Coryton Church. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we pray God's richest blessings on your life. Give us a rating, hit subscribe, and have a fantastic day.